spiritual disciplines is learning our memory verse. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I have to bribe some of you to learn your memory verse. But anyway, um, tonight we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. We're going to talk about prayer. And you know, prayer is something that a lot of people don't understand. And I'm just going to give you an overview of prayer, what it's about, and why we need to pray, and why we should pray, and the benefits and advantages of prayer, etc., etc. And um, in the run-up to this, um, not this Sunday, but the, the next Sunday, we're going to have a week of prayer and fasting. We're going to enter into a week of prayer and fasting, where we'll m- meet um, every night in church, and we'll have a prayer time, and we'll just believe God for our new season. Amen. So, Sunday week. I don't know what the date is. Sunday week. So, hmm? if I told you that you were going to have an opportunity tonight, for the next 15 minutes, say, to speak to Jesus and to ask him for something, what would you ask him for? If you had an opportunity to ask Jesus anything, if you could ask him for one thing, what would you ask him? And it's amazing because the disciples had an opportunity at one stage to come to Jesus and to ask him for something. But if you had that opportunity to ask him for something, what would you ask him for? Would you ask him for blessing, protection, a new job, more money? What would you ask for? Well, the disciples got an opportunity one day to ask Jesus. Look with me in your Bible in uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. So here were these disciples, and they came to Jesus one day, and they asked him a question. And in Luke chapter 11, beginning here in verse 1, listen to what, what they said. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Here was an opportunity for them. And these disciples went everywhere with Jesus. And you know what was interesting about that? When these disciples went everywhere with Jesus, how many of you know, firstly, that Jesus was the best preacher on the planet? He was the living Word of God. The Word of God personified. Boy, I bet he was a powerful preacher. Boy, I bet to sit and listen to him preach was such an experience. And then he went from place to place. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He calmed storms. um, Fed the multitudes. And the disciples were there with them all the time. But yet we don't read anywhere in the scriptures where the disciples said... Lord, teach us to preach. Teach us how to multiply the loaves and the fishes. Teach us how to raise the dead. They never asked them any of those things. And yet here when they had an opportunity where Jesus was apart with his disciples and they got an opportunity, what did they ask him for? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe the reason why um, they asked him that is because they saw the results of his prayer life. And they knew that Jesus walked in power. They knew that Jesus was able to do all these things. And they concluded that the reason he was able to do all these things was because he had a prayer life, because he had, had a relationship with his father, and that the source of his power, if you like, was his prayer life. 
And so they came to him and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, for a lot of Christians, they think prayer is a last resort, don't they? Think prayer is a last resort. And you know, we try everything else first, and then when everything else fails, I think maybe we should pray about it. And that's often the way, isn't it? We try everything else first. But let me just say this to you about that. You see, when you try everything else first, what you're doing is you're trying to bring about something in your flesh. And when you try and bring about it in your flesh, there's a likelihood that um, you will create a monster. Because what we do sometimes is we try and help God and we try and, and manipulate things ourselves. And even when we manipulate things ourselves, we tag God onto the end of it and say, oh God bless me. But the reality of it is we worked hard for it. And it wasn't the blessing of God at all, it was our own flesh. So some people think that prayer is a last resort. There was a deacon one day came to the pastor and he said to the pastor, you know, we have this problem. And the pastor said, well, I think we better pray about it. And the deacon said back to him, has it come down to that? (laughs) Has it come down to that? (laughs) Is there no other hope but we have to pray about it? But you know, prayer should be our first port of call. And the reason why prayer is a last resort for people sometimes, and the reason why people say has it come down to that, is because they truly don't understand prayer. And one of the worst misconceptions about prayer is that prayer is just a religious duty. It's just something that we have to do. Because we're Christians, I need to get up in the morning, I need to pray. And we think sometimes that prayer is a last resort, or sometimes we think that prayer is just a religious observance, just something that we tag onto our Christian lives, and we try and get away with as little of it as possible. But when we do that, we fail to understand and we fail to realize um, the great privilege that's ours in prayer. And I have to be honest with you. Um, for me personally, prayer is something that I do all the time. And I remember uh, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, and I've shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, but one of the things that Smith Wigglesworth said, and he wasn't talking about his quiet time, he was talking about his relationship. He said, I never go five, more than five minutes. I know I never spend more than five minutes in prayer, but then I never go more than five minutes without praying. And it's just having that attitude of prayer. And just as you're walking along, and you're talking away to God, and you're telling God stuff, and to me, um, that's just natural. Because God is your friend, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. He's our friend. He calls us friend. And because of that, we can have fellowship with him all day, and we should be talking to him all day. And um, I remember um, uh, I used to do these mission teams. I used to preach a lot on the streets of Dublin. And um, whenever I used to go to Dublin to preach on on these teams, we used to send out this circular. And people used to come and used to apply for the team. And I was a team leader and we had between 30 and 35 people used to come and, and be part of the team. And I used to go and preach on the streets and we used to do drama and we used to hold meetings in the hotels and all the rest of it. But there was a, a young fella from Bangor came down and he was on the team, a young fella called Alex. And um, Alex always made me laugh because he had a real simplistic faith. And we were walking along one day and we were talking and he was telling me about this guy that he had stopped on the street and how he had been witnessing to him. And um, as we were walking along, he seen the guy, and he actually started praying, but this is the way he prayed. He says, hey God, there's the fellow I was telling you about. That's the fellow I was talking to yesterday. 
And you see, he had an understanding of something. Even though it was simplistic, he had an understanding of something. He had an understanding that he had a relationship with his father and he just talked to him naturally. Hey God, that's the fellow I was talking, to, talking about to you yesterday. As if God didn't already know. But do you understand? That was just a relationship. Just a real simplistic relationship. And to me, I always, he always made me smile when he prayed. But it was good. And so the worst misconception about prayer is just that it's a religious duty. Something that we have to do. And the basic motivation behind that oftentimes is guilt. Ever been there? And you don't pray during the day and then you feel guilty. And the reason why you feel guilty sometimes is because we're doing it out of religious motivation and not out of relationship. Not because we have relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen. And so because of that it becomes something that we endure rather than something we enjoy. And if prayer is a duty for us then we've missed the point of prayer. We don't understand it if we think that it's a duty. Amen. And then we wonder sometimes how we can't get motivated if we're going around thinking that prayer is a duty or that we feel guilty because we haven't prayed. I want to look at just a few scriptures from John chapter 15 so you can turn there. But in John chapters 13, 14, 15 and 16, those four chapters, Jesus is given his last instructions his last discourse really to his disciples and during the course of these few chapters he tells them again and again some of the things that he's going to go through he tells them that he's going to um, suffer that he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men that he's going to be beaten and and uh, crucified and he's going to die and be raised again and these are all in these chapters here um, where he's uh, um, explaining to his disciples what's about to happen to him and one of the things that he tells them is he says to them that after he goes away, he's not going to be here physically anymore, but he still will be here spiritually through the Holy Spirit, and that we can still commune with him, that we can still pray with him. Amen. And then he gives us four reasons for prayer in these chapters, and I'm going to look at um, the the four reasons just for a, a few minutes. And firstly, I want to talk about prayer as an act of commitment. Prayer as an act of commitment. And what it is, the reason why we say that prayer is an act of commitment, because one of the first things it is, it reveals to us our dependency on God. It reveals to us our dependency on God. And one of the biggest problems with prayer, our our lack of prayer, is that we haven't fully understood our dependency upon God. And you know, the scripture says that without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we can't bear fruit. And because the scripture tells us that, we realize that we have a dependency on him, but thank God we're not without him. See, without him we're nothing, but we're not without him. But because of that dependency, because we have him, because we have relationship with him, because we have the Holy Spirit within us, we need to keep those lines of communication open. And so prayer is a commitment It's an expression of our dependence on God. It is really us saying, God, we need you. God, we need you. The biggest problem in prayer sometimes is we don't feel a dependence on God. See, we think we can do it ourselves. We think we can do it alone. And the biggest challenge sometimes in prayer is admitting that we need God's help. And man has always needed God's help right from the fall. We can't do it on our own. Man is so lost in sin that without God's help that we will stay lost in sin and we'll head to a, a godless, Christless eternity. And so our dependence is on God. Amen. And so prayer is an act of dedication. It's coming to God and saying, God, I admit that I have a need. God, I admit that I have a dependency upon you. I need your help in my life. Prayer is a declaration 
of our dependence on him. Amen. And so it's a commitment to him. It's, one, it's, it's our way of saying, God, I'm depending on you. But look with me here in John chapter 15. Listen to what he says here. We're dependent upon God. We're dependent on him. And in John chapter 15 here in verse 5 and 6, let me read this to you. He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth or liveth in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. In verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And Jesus here gives an illustration of a plant, and he talks about the vine and the branches. And he says as long as the branches are in the vine, he says they bear fruit. There has to be that connection between the branches and the vine. And if there's no connection between the branches and the vine, he says the branches wither up and men gather them and cast them into the fire. And so what he's telling us is that when we're connected to him, that's our lifeline. That's our lifeline. It's only as we're connected to him that we produce fruit, that we bear fruit. Jesus is our lifeline, dependence upon him. And when we do that, it's like a blank check. He's saying here, if you really put your dependence on me, if you really put your dependence on me, you can ask me for whatever you want and I'll give it to you. If you really put your dependence on me, you can ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. And you know, that's an unbelievable promise in prayer. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask me for whatever you wish and it will be done unto you. That's a powerful promise, isn't it? It's like the branch and the vine. The branch is connected to the vine. And if you cut the branch off, it loses all its strength. It loses all its power. It loses all its life. And if you cut the Christian off from God, if there's no prayer life, the Christian just withers. I don't know if, um, I love uh, documentaries. Watch, watch anything on a documentary. Love documentaries. And I've been watching one. Um, there's one It's in the winter and in the summer. And it's called um, Bering Sea Gold. Have you ever seen that? And it's about these divers, and they're in the Bering Sea up in uh, Alaska. And uh, what they do is they, they dive down and they're, they use like a big hoover, and they're sucking up all the, the sand and the silt off the bottom of the ocean, and they're getting gold out of it. And you know, um, as you watch them, and they go down under the sea with this big suction thing, big suction pipe, and they're, they're working away down there for between six and eight hours down on the bottom of the Bering Sea, freezing cold. And the only lifeline that they have is their air hose, connects them to those who are above the surface. And you know, a few times you will see different things that happen where their, their air hose or whatever gets disconnected or the air goes off, and they've got so many seconds to make it to the top before they drown, basically. And you see, for us as Christians, we have a connection between our Heavenly Father where the life of God flows through us, and that's our prayer life. And just the same way as those guys when they're down under the sea, if they lose that connection, if they lose that air, um, they will die. If we lose our connection with God, we will die as well. The scripture says we'll just wither. We'll just regress and just go backwards. Amen. And so prayer is our support system. You cut it off and you run out of spiritual air. And prayer is an act of dedication. It shows our dependence 
Until we realize we need God, we can't pray. Until we realize that what the things that we need in life, we can only get them from God. Until we realize that, you know, in order to grow in our Christian life, in order to have the things that God wants us to have, all the promises of God, until we realize that we can't have them without prayer, we won't pray. But we need to realize our dependence upon God. Everything we have comes from Him. Amen. And my God supplies all of our need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so firstly, prayer is an act of commitment. But secondly, prayer is an act of communication. And you know, one of the big problems um, in the world, um, and particularly where there's a breakdown of relationships, one of the biggest problems, or the main problem for it, is a lack of communication. The reason why people fall out all the time is a lack of communication. And yet between us and God, there needs to be a communication. The scripture says over in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? There has to be an open line of communication. You can't understand that person unless you communicate with them. And you certainly can't understand God and God's will for your life unless we communicate with him. That communication is vital to our Christian life. Amen. Look with me here again in John chapter 15. Look with me in verse 15. Listen to this. This is a powerful verse here. He says, Henceforth, or from now on, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see, in verse 15 here, he says, firstly, he says, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. You know, he doesn't treat us as servants anymore. He doesn't treat us as slaves anymore. He says, I brought you into the family, per se, and now I call you friends. And he says, a servant doesn't know his master's business. You know, the master would never sit down with servants and tell them about his life and about his vision and about the stuff that he's planning on doing. But he will do that with his friends. He'll bring his friends in and tell them about the business deals and all the different things that he's doing. Well, you know, Jesus Christ, we talked about last week, actually, through his word. The scripture says, um, who has known the mind of a man, save the, save the spirit of a man which is in him. And also nobody knows the mind of God except the spirit of God which is in him. And God has not given us the spirit of the world, but he has given us the spirit which is from God. That we might know the things that God has freely given unto us. And then it says, therefore, we have the mind of Christ. See, God has revealed all these things to us. He's given us his word. He's given us revelation. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And the reason he's done that is because he doesn't call us slaves anymore. He doesn't call us servants anymore. He calls us friends. Now let me just say something to you about friends. You know, when you're friends with somebody, you can sit and share what's going on in your life with them and they're interested. See, if you're not friends with somebody, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but if you're not friends with somebody and you sit and down with them and start to tell them what's going on in your life and they couldn't care less. When's this guy ever going to finish? When's he ever going to shut up? But you see, when you're friends with somebody, they actually care about what's going on in your life. 
And you'll know that when they when you talk about things, and they'll 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 probe you a bit further, and will tell me a bit more about that, and the and you enter into this dialogue. But you see, the problem we have sometimes is we don't realize how much God loves us. We don't realize how He treats us as friends. And because he treats us as friends, he's interested in what goes on in our life. And you see, we have this misconception sometimes that God is not interested in my mortgage. That God is not interested in my well-being. That God's not interested in that fellow that's annoying me at work. That God's not interested in how well my kids are doing at school. And you see, we think that God's not interested in what's going on in our life. And Jesus here is telling us, we're no longer servants. He says, you're my friends. And as friends, I'm interested in your life. I'm interested in the fact that you can't pay your mortgage. I'm interested in the fact that you're getting bullied in work or getting bullied in school. I'm interested in the fact of how well your kids are doing. I'm interested in the fact that you can't pay your bills at at the end of the week or at the end of the month. Because he doesn't call us servants, he calls us friends. And he says, as friends, he said, I've made known my will to you. Then he goes on here to say that he ordained us that we should bear fruit. And then he says again, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now why would he say that in the context of friendship? Why would he say that in the context of friendship? Do you know why he would say that in the context of friendship? Because when you're friends with somebody, nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too hard for you. There's nothing that you wouldn't do for them per se. And God is saying the same, do you not realize you're not my servant, you're my friend. And as my friend, I want to bless you. As my friend, you can come to me with anything, you can ask me anything, and I will do it for you because you're my friend. You see, that's the understanding that we need to get. And when we get that type of understanding, it's easy for us to come to God. Because we realize that God is interested in our lives. That God is interested in every aspect, every facet of our lives. And he wants us to do well. But he wants us to communicate. He wants us to tell him what's going on. And Sometimes we have a hard time praying because we don't understand what a privilege it is to pray. To talk to the one who is our friend. And you know, Jesus said one time, he says, Greater love has no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. See, Jesus proved his friendship, didn't he? Because he laid down his life for us. He said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. I've made known my will to you. I've made known my will for you. And anything that's going on in your life, I'm interested. Come to me, tell me, let me know. Amen. I was trying to find the right um, person for this illustration, but I don't know if I've got the right person or not. But You know, if I was to tell you that tomorrow morning... I've arranged a 20-minute session uh, with you and the Prime Minister. And you can ask him for anything you want. You can ask him anything you want. Private session, you and the Prime Minister, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. And you can ask him anything you want. wonder how you would respond to that. wonder how would you respond well, I know for some of you ladies, probably the first thing you would do is you'd be looking for someone to do your hair, wouldn't you? I need to get my hair done. need to get a new rig out. need to get a new dress or whatever it is. Get your hair done. Get your nails done. Get yourself a new dress. Some of you wouldn't sleep tonight. 
what on earth am I going to say to the Prime Minister tomorrow? Some of you would make notes, start writing little notes. I'm going to ask him this and I'm going to ask him that and I'm going to ask him the other. And you'd get prepared because you're going to get to talk personally with the Prime Minister. But you know, we have a greater invitation than that. See, we're not going looking to talk to politicians or bureaucrats. We're going to talk to the creator of the universe. But not alone are we talking to the creator of the universe like he was an impersonal force or an impersonal person. We're going to talk to the creator of the universe who allows us to call him daddy. And who says, I'm your friend. And so how should we respond you know, when we think about um, church and different things and about how, people, how people's attitude is towards church, but yet if you were meeting some of these politicians, some of them the greatest liars that ever stood on two feet, and yet we would go and get our hair done, go and get, um, get new clothes and sit up half the night worrying, what am I going to say to them when I meet them? And yet we don't have the same attitude about church and about prayer. And we have a greater invitation than that. We're invited to talk to our creator, the one who calls us friend. Now that's what you call going to the top. Isn't it? That's what you call going to the top. We're not working with politicians or bureaucrats. You don't have to go and talk to the key men when you can talk to the one who holds the keys. Amen. Oh, there's the key man there. No, I'm one, I know the man who owns the keys. <laughs> Not the fellow who's carrying the keys. Amen. We know the one who holds the keys. The God who says that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And you are my friend and I want to talk to you. That's what prayer is all about. I don't know if you're like me. Down through the years I have met um, loads and loads and loads and loads of celebrities. And they just they don't interest me at all. I've met some of the some of the biggest and some of the best celebrities, musicians, rock stars, all the different ones. There was um, um, uh, a big uh, band in England uh, back when was it late eighties uh, called uh, Big Country, and I, I done stage crew for them. But you see, these guys they don't they mean nothing to me. Because I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And people don't intimidate me in the slightest. Because I know him. I know Jesus. Amen. One problem we have is we have a hard time believing that God is really interested in us. But God is interested. He calls us friends and he's interested in whatever it is that we have to say. When we discover how much God really loves us, prayer will no longer be a problem for us. We'll be delighted to come into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and talk to him. Amen. If you find prayer a duty or a routine that you don't look forward to, it means that we don't fully understand how much God loves us and how much he's interested in everything that's of interest to us. Amen. And so the next thing is prayer is an act of supplication. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Supplication means request. It means we get to ask God for stuff. And over in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, listen to what it says. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests made known unto God. And the peace of God, that passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God. And the result of our asking, our requests and prayer, the Bible says will be peace, because the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Look with me here in John chapter 16. And look with me in verse 24. He says, verse 24, For hitherto, or up to now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you shall receive. Now watch what he says. That your joy might be full. He says, Hitherto, or up to now, you have not asked me for anything. But he says, go and ask. Go ahead and ask. That you might receive and that your joy may be full. And that's an interesting phrase that he tacks on to the end of that. That your joy may be full. In other words, what he's actually saying is he wants us to be happy. Isn't that what that means? That your joy may be full. Joyful. Or full of happiness. Up until now you have asked me for nothing. He says, ask and you will receive. That your joy may be full. Or I think the New King James says complete. That your joy may be complete. Amen. So he says, you're going to be happy because you're going to ask and I'm going to answer. And when I answer, that's going to make you happy. <laughs> Amen. You see, again, we get that understanding. Jesus said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. He says, go ahead and ask me for stuff. You haven't been asking me for stuff. Go ahead and ask me so that I can make you happy. And you know, if you think again of that whole idea of a friend, do you know when you're friends with somebody, when they ask you for something, it makes you happy? And you know what else it makes you happy? It makes them happy <laughs> when, you, when you do the thing that they've asked. Isn't that right? And he says, I'm calling your friends. I'm allowing you, go ahead and ask me for stuff because I want you to be happy and I want to bless you and I want to give you stuff. And you see, the fact is that prayer is God's chosen method of meeting our needs. Prayer is God's chosen method of meeting our needs. The Bible says that there's some things that God will only give us if we pray. Some of the promises of God, God says I'll only give them to you if you pray. And he says it here, we read, just read the verse, he said up until now you've asked me for nothing, go ahead and ask that your joy might be full. In other words, the reason why you haven't got it is because you haven't asked yet. It says over the book of James chapter 4 and verse 3, um, it says you have not because you Ask not. See, the only reason you haven't got it is because you haven't asked yet. And so we go to God in prayer and we ask him that our joy might be full or our joy might be complete because he wants to bless us. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. He says here, ask. Ask and you will receive. Or ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So again, he says, ask. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. He says, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door is opened. And so he's telling us that we haven't been asking, we haven't been seeking, and we haven't been knocking. But he says, go ahead. Because I want to give it to you, because I want your joy to be full. Amen. 
told you this story before, but there was a story of a guy who died and went to heaven, or no, he didn't die and went to heaven. I think he went and had a vision of heaven. And in his vision of heaven, he saw all these rooms, and in these rooms were all these items. I'm not going to tell you what they were per se, but in this room there were all these items, and every one of them had a label on it. And as he was walking down the corridor, he asked the one who was showing him around, it was Peter, I think he said, but he said, you know, what, what do these things mean? And Peter said to him, go over and look at the label. And as he went along those, those corridors and looked at the labels, every one of them said, unasked for. Unasked for. And what it was was the blessing of God. What it was was the provision of God. What it was was the miraculous and different things. There were different blessings that God had allocated for people. But what was written on it was unasked for. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. He says, up until now you have asked me for nothing. Ask that you might receive so that your joy might be full. You see, God wants us to come to him in prayer. He doesn't want us to labor in prayer. He wants us to come to a loving father. He wants us to come to a loving friend. He wants us to come to somebody who's saying, you, all you've got to do is ask, and I'll give it to you because I want your joy to be full. Because making your joy full makes my joy full. Amen. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be able to pray. Amen. So let me ask you a question. What is it that you're lacking in your life right now? What is it that you don't have simply because you haven't asked for it? Well, why don't we just go ahead and ask? Maybe we've tried other things. We've tried to get it by some other way, by some other means. But we haven't asked yet. Maybe we just need to ask. Psalm 145 and verse 15. I'll just read it to you. It says, He will fulfill the desires of those who reverence him. He will fulfill the desires. Not just the needs, but the desires. See, God meets our needs, but he also gives us our desires. Do you know why? Because, you know, as a loving parent, he doesn't just want to give us what we need. He also wants to bless us. Amen. You think of a parent with their, with their kids. You know, you don't just go to the kids, I'm giving you three square meals and that's it. You're getting nothing more. But what you do is you bless them, don't you? You buy them little things and you buy them treats and you know they're looking for the latest you know, football jersey or whatever it is or latest football boots and designer makes and all the rest of it and you go and buy it for them. You don't just give them their needs. You give them the desires of their heart as well. And that's what God says. Um, Psalm 34 and verse 7. He says, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, he talks about desires. The desires of your heart. Not just what we need. Psalm 84 and verse 11 it says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see, God isn't holding these things back from us. He's not saying, you've got to convince me that you need them. He's saying, I'll give you the desires of your heart. No good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly before me. Ask that you might receive so that your joy might be full. Amen. Why does God want us to ask in prayer? And the answer is that our joy might be full. That's the reason he wants us to ask, that our joy might be full. It makes us happy. And you know, when we ask for something and we get it, you know everybody gets blessed. Because firstly, when we ask for something and we get it, guess who gets blessed first? We do. You know who else gets blessed? God does. You know who else gets blessed? 
the people around us because then we run and tell everybody the blessing that God has given us. Don't we? And everybody gets blessed because of it. And everybody around us gets blessed because now we have a testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. And what we do actually is when we ask for something in prayer, when we get the answer to it, what it does is it encourages other people when we share that testimony with them because the other people are going, well, if you can ask for it and get it, then I can ask for it and get it too. Do you understand? And so it gives us a testimony. And because it gives us a testimony, everyone gets blessed. Hallelujah. One thing about people who have answered prayers is they can't keep it to themselves. Isn't that right? I have to play squash with Cozzy every morning. He's always telling me about the blessings. <laughs> God is just blessing the socks off him. He never shuts up. He's just blessed. Amen. We have a great time, to be honest. And finally, nobody said amen, right? Prayer is an act of cooperation. It's us cooperating with God. And this is an interesting one here. This is probably the most exciting thing about prayer, is that prayer is an act of cooperation with God. And you see, what God has done, and this is, again, amazing, because it goes back to the fact that we're friends with God. And he says that a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I have called you friends, and he's made known his will to us. But not alone has he called us friends and made known his will to us. What he's actually said is, I want you to cooperate with me. I'm not going to do anything in the earth without telling you and without getting you to ask me for it. See, he wants us to pray about stuff. And he wants everything that he does in the world, he wants it to be done as a result of his children praying. He wants everything to be done as a result of his children praying. And the reason for that is because he wants us to cooperate with him or he wants to cooperate with us. Amen. And this is really exciting. Prayer is God saying, I've chosen to limit myself to what I can accomplish on the earth. By limiting myself to the faith of my children. In other words, whatever they ask me for, I'll do. That's phenomenal. That God has actually limited himself to the faith of his children. Whatever you ask me for, that's what I'll do. And he allows us to cooperate with him. He allows us to cooperate with him. Look with me in... Well, turn to John chapter 14 for a moment. This is one of the most amazing verses in the scripture. This is one of the most amazing verses in the scripture. And as we read this verse, the first thing I want you to understand about reading this verse is, it's in the Bible. (laughs) Amen. Don't shoot the messenger. This is what God says. Are you ready? John chapter 14, look at me here in verse 12. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now I don't know what Bible you're reading, but in my Bible this is all read. Which means that Jesus said it. You know, this wasn't something that some man said wasn't even something and, and if, even if they did say it it's the word of God it wasn't something that Peter said or Paul said or any of the other apostles Jesus Christ himself said verily verily I say unto you 
The works that I do shall ye do also. Yea, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. Look back with me in the verse before that. Verse 11. He says, Believe me when I say unto you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. At least believe the evidence of the miracles themselves or believe me for the work's sake. See, Jesus and the Father have been working. And Jesus said that he was going to send us the Holy Spirit who will be in us. And then he said, when I send you the Holy Spirit who will be in you, he says, the works that I do shall ye do also. Yea, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. Now there are several ways that we can do the works of Jesus and we can do greater works. But one of the ways that we can do that is through our prayer life. See, Jesus was limited in time and space. When Jesus Christ left heaven's throne, when he came down and inhabited the body of a man, he became limited in time and space to the things that he could do. And all he could do was travel around where he was and do the, the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the different things where he was. But you know, um, he was limited in time and space. But now because Jesus has returned to the Father, we're not limited by time and space anymore with our prayer life. I mean, we can pray for people all over the world right now. And we can see miracles happen all over the world. And we've done that. We've prayed for people in Australia and we've prayed for people in America and we've prayed for all these different things and we've seen the results of our prayer because, because prayer is not limited by time and space. We're able to pray into our future. We're able to change things in our future. We're not limited by time and space. We're not limited by time and space. And God has asked us to cooperate with him. And he said that he would do and he would give us whatever our heart desires. And then he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Or I will give it unto you. And then he says, you can do the works that I do, shall ye do also. Yea, and greater works than these shall you do. Because I go unto my Father. So we got the privilege that we can pray. And our prayers are not limited by time because we can pray about the future prayer is not limited by space because we can pray about people all over the world but you know what else prayer is is limitless in its power prayer is limitless in its power it's limitless and you see when we when we are dealing with people people can reject our pleas people can reject our arguments people can reject us as a person but you know what? They're totally defenseless against our prayers. Totally defenseless against our prayers. We can pray for people. There's nothing they can do about it. See, they can reject us. They can reject our words. They can reject a lot of things about us. But one thing they can't reject is our prayers. We can pray for them. Amen. They have no defense system against prayer because prayer goes straight to the heart. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it whithersoever he will. Amen. You know, six times in this passage that we read here, um, in these passages actually, Jesus says, if you ask, I will give it unto you. If you ask, I will do it. Six times, Jesus said, if you ask, I will do it. Jesus says, if you ask, I will answer. If you ask, I will give it. Six times. So you know what our part is? Asking. Our part is the asking. Because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who wants us to know, firstly, 
that we're dependent on him. That we're dependent on him. That his power is sufficient for everything that we need. And he wants us to understand that. He wants us to understand that it's a commitment. He wants us to understand also, not alone is it a commitment, but he wants us to understand that it was an act of communication. That when we learn to communicate with God, um, that God will give us the things that we need. Amen. That, God, that, that prayer also is an act of supplication. That we should make our request made known unto God. Why do we make our request made known unto God? Because he loves us. Because he has called us friends. Because he has said to us, Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. Amen. And our prayer is not limited by time and space. Our prayer is not powerless, but powerful. And God will give us the very things that we ask of him. And God says, if we pray, he says, I'll do it. And our part is just to cooperate with God's plan. God has revealed his plan to us. He's revealed his plan through his word. He's revealed his plan for our lives. And our part is just to cooperate with him. Our part is just to ask him. And God says, ask that your joy might be full. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. He says, up until now you have asked for nothing in my name. He says, go ahead and ask and I'll give it to you. Amen. And so he says that he will do his part if we will do our part. We can pray. So the most important thing we can do in our Christian life is pray. And you see, prayer is not boring. Prayer is not something that we do out of religious duty. Prayer is something we do out of relationship with our Heavenly Father. Someone who loves us. Someone who cares for us. Someone who is just waiting for us to come and ask. And he says, guys, you haven't been asking me. He says, you haven't been asking me. Go ahead and ask. And I will give it to you. I will give you the desires of your heart. So that your joy might be full. And when our joy is full, his joy is full. And then we get to share that with others. And other people's joys become full as well. Amen. Many of you think prayer is a great, great thing. It's a tremendous privilege to be able to talk to our creator God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we just want